Hi, everyone. This is Jennifer. Welcome to the Corporate Flight Attendant Podcast. I was a corporate flight attendant for six years, and I tell you the brutal, honest truth of this industry. This is Season 2, Episode 15, Corporate Flight Attendant Interview with New F.A. Samantha. Samantha is a new corporate flight attendant who recently started working in aviation approximately a year ago. She is currently employed with a large private charter company. She has previous experience working in many different sectors of the hospitality industry, including food and beverage, lodging, and private club management. She also has obtained her baccalaureate degree in hospitality management. Welcome, Samantha. Hi, good morning. It's a pleasure to be here. We're so excited to have you. So, you know, you're our first new FA to talk to. So everyone is dying to hear what you have to say. We have a lot of aspiring FAs here. So your story is extremely relevant. So we can't wait. Let's start. So this is your first year as a corporate flight attendant, as we said, which is so exciting. And again, why aspiring FA listeners will be so happy to hear from you. Tell us why you became interested in becoming a corporate flight attendant. And how did you get your start in the industry? Goodness, that is an excellent question. Uh, I'm going to be honest because I was completely unaware of this career path before. I'd never heard of it, but I actually have a good friend that was already working in this field, and she transitioned from being a commercial flight attendant to private. You know, I would just casually listen to her as she told me about her job and just ask questions here and there. And initially, I didn't think much of it because I didn't have any prior aviation experience. So I figured I wouldn't even be considered. So it was just something that didn't cross my mind at first. But the more and more I thought about it, I just gained more interest. And I figured, well, you know, I I have to at least try. And that's what I did. So can you tell us your age range? I am currently approximately in my mid-20s. Okay. So you're a younger F.A., do you see a lot of people your age in the industry, a lot of FAs in the industry? Um, that's a great question. I'm trying to think. Uh, I'm not the best at gauging ages, but I would say a lot of the other flight attendants that I've crossed paths with were approximately my age, maybe a little older. I'm going to say if I had to guess the average age range would be between like late 20s and probably early 30s. Okay. So that's, that's younger. That's interesting. Now... Mm-hmm. How did you go through the interview process? What was that like? Because that's what we're very curious about. It's hard getting an FA position if you haven't been flying. So how was that process for you with the interview? And do you have any tips or advice on how to ace an interview as someone who has no flying experience, but you have hospitality experience? Correct. So initially I was very apprehensive And honestly, a little nervous to even apply because I figured as soon as they saw my resume, they would just trash it and move on. But I applied and I was really excited when they moved on to the interview part of the process. So during my interview, I would say it's really important to advocate for yourself and really just showcase your personality, especially in this modern age of doing a lot of online Zoom type interviews. And you really have to just make sure that translates well. Uh, screen to screen. Also, just as in any normal interview, it's really important to promote your relevant education and experience. Even though I didn't have my aviation or have any 
aviation experience, I was really good at making sure to bring up my hospitality degree, my background in luxury hospitality, and just overall that I had a really multifaceted work experience so I could take on any challenge and conquer it. When preparing for this interview or series of interviews, I'll say, it was really important to do my homework. Uh, I did lots of researching and networking. And actually, this is a little silly, but I made a study guide. It's like 10 pages long. And I just collected every bit a nugget of aviation information I could scour the internet for. So I included different like flight attendant terms and just, you know, aviation terms. I wrote down all the different parts of the plane, the different types of airspace even. Uh, I wrote out like all the Zulu alphabet things. I changed my phone to military time so I could start getting used to that. I just put myself in the mindset of I'm going to get this job and I'm going to be really informed so I know what I'm doing and I can deliver that across in my interview. So that I think gave me some confidence. And it's just really important to, again, look for that information. This industry is extremely secretive. So it's challenging, but the content's out there. I actually found your podcast and was a listener just about a year ago now. It's so crazy to think now I'm actually yeah. on the podcast. <laughs> but I just binged all of your episodes and I bought your book, which was really helpful because it just, you know, gave me more of an insider perspective of, you know, what the industry is like. And it really encouraged me to feel confident about what I was getting myself into at the end of the day. So just, you know, display that confidence that you can do it. I love that. I think you need to have that personality. I just met with a friend who is in, I would say customer service, upscale customer service, but not, she's not a flight attendant. And she had said that they hired her because of her personality. She said, you'd be surprised. People really don't have a personality these days. And I was laughing with that, but she said people, a lot of them don't know how to display their personality and their good personality, even if they have, you know, a great personality. So I think that speaks volumes because they're also analyzing, right? These cabin service managers or or whoever's hiring you are also analyzing, can you hang with the pilots? Are you someone that can be easy to travel with? They're also analyzing all of that. My question is, besides the interview on the actual resume, how did you set that up? Just a little curious, like, did you put, you know, upscale service or upscale luxury service? Or how did you arrange that a little bit? Um, that's a great question. I'm really geeky about residencing <laughs> because I went to a hospitality school and they drilled in us so many times, like resume, you know, do's and don'ts and interview etiquette. And that was something that I was really fortunate to have a lot of insight on through just all the different like classes and workshops and networking events I did. It's really important to have those strong action verbs and to tailor it to the job you're going for. So specifically displaying things that are relevant to, you know, again, I didn't have aviation points to highlight, but, you know, just like the luxury and, you know, using those keywords and gosh, I'm trying to think, or using verbs like directed, managed, those things really, I think, stand out because it shows that you can take charge. And you have to. And did you have on your resume or did you say anything in your interviews of with problem solving? Like I'm a problem solver. I can think on my feet. Did any of that come up? Not in those words exactly, but along the lines of that, definitely. 
Okay, because that's what that's what you have to know about the job. Now that you're in the industry and you're flying all the time, you know that every trip is different and you get challenges all the time and you have to roll with it and you have to figure it out. So I know you love your job. What do you specifically love about the job so far? That's so hard to answer because it's just such a broad spectrum. Uh, first of all, I mean, the most obvious thing is the travel aspect. It was really exciting to have a job that not only allows me to travel, but is funding, you know, my opportunity to travel. It's a dream come true, truly. And On just, someone else's dime. <laughs> yes, entirely. And, and you're getting paid. I know. Like, I just can't get over that this is my <laughs> job. Like, I feel like I need to pinch myself sometimes. Nice. So I know it's easy to kind of get into the mindset of, oh, like, it's a long day. But at the end of the day, I'm getting to do and see things that so many people don't have access to. And there's just this, this glamour, this allure to private aviation that's so fascinating to be a part of. And anyone that asks, you know, what I do for a living is just immediately intrigued. And it's just really exciting that I get to see this world. Um, Also, another thing I really enjoy about my job is my schedule. I love that I can compartmentalize when I work and when I'm at home. Don't get me wrong. I love working. It's so much fun. When I'm on the road, you just get into the groove of it and you just lose yourself in all the uh, hustle and bustle of the day to day. But when I'm home, I can be at home and be with my loved ones. And that's something that's so precious to me. So that's definitely a big part of it. I have other things if you want me to keep going. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's great. I mean, let me ask you, is your schedule mostly like seven on, seven off or 14 on, 14 off, something like that? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So yeah, that does make it easier to compartmentalize. And and essentially, I tell people you are living a double life in a sense. But Mm -hmm. if you enjoy that, that's okay. And I think you being young and not having children yet, it's a big difference. It really is. So I think that's, yeah, I think that makes all the difference. So funny about how you said... When people hear, you have a lifetime of this, by the way, when people hear what you do for a living, they're, they glom onto it and you have all the good cocktail party stories and all of that. I just told the story at a conference where I went to the urgent care, not when I was working, I was at home and I went to the urgent care, I was covered in hives for an allergic reaction for something. Oh no. And and yeah, this is several years ago. And the doctor... (laughs) They brought me in and the doctor's looking at me and I'm covered in hives and he's, he looks, he must've been looking at, I filled out the thing and he said, wait a minute, you're a corporate flight attendant. What is that? And I explained and he goes, oh my God, I always wanted to be a pilot. I always want to fly on a G650. (laughs) And like, he forgot about the hives and I'm sitting there standing there practically dying. And he's asking me about the G650 and the, what's a G4 like compared to a 650 and what do I fly? And I'm, ah, and my husband goes through that too. He goes through that because he's a corporate pilot and he goes through that all the time. So, mm-hmm. Just to warn you, <laughs> your That's entire funny. life now, you will be dealing with that. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah. So now what do you find are your biggest challenges as a new flight attendant? It's, it's funny because the schedule is my favorite and also sometimes the most challenging thing as much as I love the compartmentalization of work and home at the same time when you're gone and you're on the job, there's, you know, no coming home at the end of a really long day. So that's something that was a big adjustment for me is just, you know, having to be away from my home and comfort 
and my family and friends for such long stretches of time. I wasn't used to that before, but I really enjoyed overcoming that challenge because it gives me confidence that I can just be capable of anything, if that makes sense. Uh, yes. So, you know, when you have those long hours and long days, that's also a big challenge because you could be working up to 14 hours, you know, doing three, four legs sometimes if it's really busy. Typically, not every day is going to be like that, but you're definitely going to get those days where you're just exhausted. So it's really important to just take care of yourself with rest and nutrition. That's something I'm learning the hard way <laughs> is to make sure to plan ahead, sure I have a lunch pack with me and wake up early to eat breakfast, even if I'm just exhausted and encouraging myself to go to bed early, even though I'm more of a night owl. So those are things that I've had to overcome. And I would say those are probably the most challenging aspects of the job. It's interesting you say that about nutrition, because one of the reasons I haven't gone back to flying yet is because of my autoimmune disorder. And I had a huge issue last year. And you really do have to be on top of the nutrition. I have a whole episode on it mm -hmm. dedicated to it because if not, this job will swallow you up. And I started being bad. Like I started being like, oh, that's fine if I eat from the snack basket and I do yeah. this and I do that. And it catches up with you. It really, really does between what your body goes through and all the time zones and the fatigue. So I appreciate you saying that. Just wanted to add also, I feel like this job really forces you to, I mean, if you're not already an organized person, it just either throws you into that full force or it enhances that because I used to be the kind of person that would just skip breakfast and I've been a server for a very long time. So it's really easy to have access to food and just, you know, eat something in the back real quick on yep. you know, your 10 break. But when you're flying all day and you're in the air and you didn't pack your lunch or, or bring, you know, something from the breakfast buffet at the hotel to snack on later, you're stuck. You're literally thousands of feet in the air and you have no access. So I just think this job also really forces you to become more on top of things than you normally would have to be. I think that's an excellent point. And I think you also make a really good distinction between doing charter versus an owner. So with an owner, you can order pretty much a ton of food. So you know, you're going to have extra and they're oh. always, yeah. So they're always ordering, you know, salads and I can't eat raw vegetables, which sucks because <laughs> what I have, but, uh, normal people can, <laughs> and that used to be my go-to until it almost killed me, but you know what I'm saying? But they always order, you know, a lot of salad, guac and chips, things like that. So that makes it much easier when you fly for an owner. Now you do charter. So I imagine you can only order what they ask or do they do the ordering for you, the company? The company is more <gasps> involved in that part. Uh, oh my God. See, I'm more familiar with, I guess I'm, yeah, I guess I would be more tipped 60, 70% towards owner. So I've always had to pretty much do my own catering. So when I had that charter experience of not doing it, I was like, yes, but <laughs> I've always had to do it. Yeah. So um, I'm kind of jealous of that. But that's that's a good difference between owner and charter. And I think for any aspiring FAs, if you want to do what Samantha's doing, where you want to be hired, I should say, with one of these incredible charter companies, yeah, you really need to take care of yourself. So Sam, I like to throw my guess a surprise question. I have four podcasts and I just love doing it. I think it's fun to see people's responses. My surprise question is, do you have a cute story? It doesn't have to be funny, but cute or inspiring or 
just sweet? Definitely. I'm thinking about it. And one of my favorite things is how wonderful most of these clients are. It's mm. because when you're dealing with this tier of wealth, you, you automatically assume that it's the people are going to be obnoxious or rude. But I've actually had really pleasant experiences. And my favorite thing is when I get to serve families because I just love kids. And I remember this one little girl and she was just so excited about every single little detail about flying private. I mean, gosh, uh, if I were flying private, I'd be excited too. But she would just light up. I would pull out, you know, the table because it retracts clearly for takeoff and landing. You have to stow those things and you take out the table and she's like, wow, like the table comes out of the wall. And you know, you out, you know a nice tablecloth for lunch. And she's like, wow, look at the tablecloth. And she would just get so excited. And I even uh, brought her like a little teddy bear to just add on to that experience. And she was just thrilled by those little details. Oh, that's cute. How old was she, you think? Gosh, um, I'm going to guess about four years old. I once had, I think the girl was around 10 and mm -hmm. she would just scream her head off on takeoff because she was scared. And oh, no. I mean, scream like, I mean, bloody murder scream. Like someone was like sitting there stabbing her like, and no. like, sorry, that was a little graphic. But, um, <laughs> but she was just horrible. And the mother was, would try to stop her. I felt bad for the mom. The mom was like, you cannot scream like that. And she goes, it doesn't matter. It's a private jet. And she's like, it does matter. <laughs> like, you still can't scream. If we're flying yeah. commercial, you're flying private. So the girl is just, she's sweet. She's just a screamer. It's just like, <laughs> this little so I girl's opposite. she was so excited about takeoff and landing. It's uh, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's good. That's positive to know. So yeah. And I also want to tell people, that I did not say this in the beginning of the episode, but Samantha is a new flight attendant. Um, she has to adhere really strictly to confidentiality. You're not going to be hearing names or celebrities or anything like that today because we want her to keep her job and keep working in the industry. So I just want to point that out. Yeah, I just want to, yeah, just in case people are like, well, why isn't she giving names or doing anything like that? Well, because she signed non disclosures and confidentiality agreements and she can't do that. So moving on, when you take a trip, and then the in-between, when you have your days off, right? I mean, on the trip, so you are grounded. How do you find the crew experience, especially always working and traveling with two pilots? I actually thoroughly enjoy it. I love our pilots. But most of them are just phenomenal. Uh, it's really fun because, you know, I get to be kind of the queen of the castle. They know that I'm the big boss when it comes to the plane. <laughs> <laughs> My plane don't touch my waters. <laughs> Don't leave fingerprints or I'll come after you. <laughs> they know. But, yes. Yes, they know. Can I, I interrupt will. you? Do you know what my yes. thing was? My thing <laughs> was like when they would go to the back of the plane. So you guys, all right, let me explain. So the, yes, the, the cargo, <laughs> the cargo, but all right. So here's my thing is when you land and the passengers deplane and you're done with a trip and they have to do paperwork. So they would move from the cockpit. Oftentimes the captain would take, you know, the mm -hmm. paperwork out of the cockpit and then move to the cabin in a passenger seat. And then they will pull out, you know where I'm going with this, they would pull out the tray and not put a placemat and then put all their paperwork on. Now, you guys, the paperwork isn't just paper, so it's not just soft. They have this hard-covered shell thing that they keep 
all of their paperwork in. So they're putting that down or they're putting a clipboard down, which could scratch the woodwork very easily. And then you're blamed for it. So that was my pet peeve. And I always tried to teach pilots, no, 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 put the placemat down first or ask me and I will happily do it for you. So that was my thing. (laughs) Definitely. Or one time I had a pilot, I was vacuuming the plane and he just was sitting there and I was, and which is fine. They've had a very long day. I understand that. But at least, you know, do a Fred Flintstone for me and lift up your feet. <laughs> you didn't even do that. <laughs> Truly, I love working with the pilots because they're just really fun and they have so many great stories. And a lot of them are very adventurous and actually keep me on my toes. And I just have so many great ventures and experiences from those off days of just going and traveling, you know, wherever we're staying when we have time. And I just really enjoy it because when it's good, it's so good. It's so and- good. <laughs> So good. We get a crew that everyone just clicks. Man, it's the highlight. And I just, I shine in those times because I just have fun. It's like hanging out, working with your friends and you're with them 24 seven. So you get to know them very well. But occasionally you're not going to click with certain people. It can be challenging because you're in really confined conditions. You're locked in a metal tube in the air. So it's really important to just compartmentalize that and Just remember that, you know, you work with so many pilots and it's only temporary and you just have to remain professional and just recognize that it's just this moment, get through it and, you know, be kind and just bring that, that sunshine, that lightness to the crew and trying to overcome it. Absolutely. And I just want to add something too. I think you have completely the right perspective, but now as we move more into the Me Too movement, I just want to tell aspiring flight attendants and new flight attendants like yourself, if you see something suspect, if you're being treated in a certain way, it's okay to speak up in these times. Because when I entered the industry, you would get a reputation. So you couldn't speak up. Nowadays, you can speak up again if something's really wrong. So I just want to put that out there for people as well and for yourself. Absolutely. I want to resound on that. Don't put up with nonsense. That's something I will not tolerate. Thankfully, I haven't had any experiences like that. I'm very fortunate, but I would definitely like to agree with you. If there's something wrong going on, please, please speak up. I haven't had that happen this job, but other jobs in the past, it's, it's really hard when you're a young woman in a hospitality or service role, people, you know, I think see your kindness as vulnerability sometimes and you need to really make sure to take care of yourself and protect yourself. Well put. I couldn't have put that any better. So thank you for putting that in because, you know, we, everyone needs to know that it's okay nowadays. Obviously Mm -hmm. you have to show judgment (laughs) and, you know, certain people are certain people. And it's exactly like you said, you're going to vibe with some people. You're not going to vibe with others. And that's just how it goes in any job all throughout life. Now, what is your favorite trip or location? I should say location so far. Oh, wow. There's a lot of really good ones. Uh, Again, what's great about this job is there's places I wouldn't have even thought to have gone to because I just didn't hear of it before. Fortunately, I really enjoy Jackson Hole, Wyoming. It's so beautiful. The sky is huge. It's just endless opportunity of just outdoor activities. And there's some really great places to eat that I love. So I'm really, really happy when we fly there. Have you gone to Anguilla yet? No. Oh, wait, Anguilla. I think so, but very briefly. It's so hard with the islands because I feel like... They're all like the same after a while. 
I love I love them all. I lived in the Caribbean. I love them all. I, I actually lived there, but it's mm-hmm. you you lose track. I can't tell you how many times I've been to Anguilla at this point because it's. Have. I can't remember which islands I've been to. Poor me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's what ends up happening. So, mm-hmm. can you give aspiring and new FAs one piece of advice for their first year? I would just say be a sponge, ask plenty of questions to whatever your supportive source is. I, again, I work for a charter company, so it's easy for me to have access to, you know, a wonderful trainer team or, you know, cabin service management. They're so helpful and I'm really appreciative of their guidance and just being my North Star. If you have a trainer or a mentor or a boss or whatever the structure is of your job, you know, reach out to those people. But I mean, of course, you need to try to figure out things first. Learn by doing. Sometimes that's the best way to learn is just getting through those challenges on your own. But beyond that, just really soak in everything and ask tons of questions. The pilots love to talk. (laughs) Oh, my God. They love to talk. Yes, yeah. So. Have you gotten in the conversations about like, have you been sitting there at dinner yet with just hearing about motorcycles and boats and shit? Oh my gosh. Small yeah. planes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they love, uh, it's funny because I was listening to your podcast and you were like talking about how they love their toys. And yeah, I've met people that, you know, they have like a sailboat or you know, just other things. They just love, love, yeah. love their, their big boy toys. <laughs> my husband, you know, he loves his tractors and he loves mm-hmm. his cows and he oh. like, you know. <laughs> Yeah, so he loves his farming toys. So yeah, absolutely. And one more piece of advice is just to be patient and be kind with yourself and the learning process. At the end of the day, you just need to do your best and learn from your mistakes. Absolutely. And also, you know, be patient with Sam was lucky. I mean, she's she's a standout, though. Your resume is a standout. Your high-end service background is a standout. Not everyone has that. Not everyone listening has that, let's be honest. So you need to be patient and you need to build that up. And it may take you a year or two years to get that job. It may ha- I've seen it. I've seen it where it's a lot of right place, right time. So people also need to be patient with that. And it's so funny, this interview is so positive and I'm so happy for that. And one of my upcoming episodes, I don't know if I'm going to drop it this year or next year, but I was like, do I do it? Don't I do it? was my absolute worst trip. And I don't want to scare people, but it was so bad that only time ever, you guys, in six years where I was about one phone call away from leaving the trip. Oh, goodness. And I was never, I never had that happen before. I had two other flight attendant friends fly with that account and they had the same thing happen. So sometimes when you think it's all in your head, it's not in your head, but the story's really good because karma's a bitch because something happened with the pilot. So <laughs> nothing oh, bad. Okay. Like they're fine. They're not injured or anything. They're just something interesting. So anyway, now that I tease that, Sam, thank you so much. And in case anyone is interested in learning more about my corporate flight attendant book, which Sam has read and enjoyed, Remember to check out the show notes and you can find a link for my book. So that's great. Samantha, it's been so great catching up with you. Thank you for sharing all your wisdom and your knowledge and just being you. And I can't wait for you to come back in two years and tell us everything that happens to you in two years. I'd be so happy to do that, truly. All right. Thank you so much, Samantha. The next episode will drop on Friday, November 18th, 2022. Until then, 
Happy flying!